boys and girls. Welcome to episode 24 of the Two Pad Stack, brought to you in partnership with Primetime Productions and SeatGeek. Remember, if you're looking to check out a live event, check our tickets at SeatGeek and use promo code 2PADSTACKPOD. That's the number 2, P-A-D-S-T-A-C-K-P-O-D, to save $20 off your purchase. It is, uh, like I said, episode 24. I'm your host, Ace. I'm here, as always. Guess who decided to make a triumphant return for this week? He decided to take a week off because apparently he had better things to do. I did not have better things to do, man. I was stuck at work for 56 hours plowing snow. Believe me, I would have been much rather here talking Bruins hockey with you. Don't don't you have a, a male co-worker named Snow? Was, was that what you were doing? You were plowing snow? Oh, man. See, I, I, I still would rather be here looking at your ugly mug than having to do what I had to do last weekend. Mm-hmm. Believe me. Believe me. It was a long weekend. I, you know what? To cap off that long weekend, like the night right before I was getting ready to go home, I stepped out of the truck onto the, the ramp at the airport. What did I do? I took a massive digger. Dude, I freaking did the whole, like, Bambi on, on ice, and I went right down on my bad arm, and I was like, oh, this is just a perfect poetic ending to my weekend. Yeah, you know we're old when, when we can designate which arm is the bad arm. Well, uh, this is from an injury. I, I injured mm. this playing hockey. I told we talked about it on the pod. I couldn't lift mm. my arm, and I landed smack on it, smack on it. And... Let me use my strong hand. Take my strong hand. <laughs> What's up with you though? How was how was oh, Tommy? Buddy. Good, to hear, good to hear Tommy on the pod. Yeah, yeah, it was great to have Tommy on. Tommy's a very intelligent individual. Um, fun to talk Bruins with him. Fun to talk NHL with him uh tommy's gonna potentially come back on again at, at some point in the future so yeah big shout out to uh our boy tommy bennett thanks for stepping in and uh, filling in for burge for a week we'll certainly have you back on again and uh yeah it was a lot of fun talking last week did miss you as much as i joke around uh it's, i'm glad to have you back buddy and uh yeah let, let's go ahead and, and dive in so we we did talk about a lot of nerdy shit last week we had the commissioner of the shl on and you know, I got my chance to talk about my shitty, nerdy hockey hobby, and we're going to spend some time today to let Burge talk about his shitty, nerdy hockey hobby. So on that note, why don't I hand it over to you to make an introduction on, you know, that topic and uh, today's guest. Absolutely. Uh, I'm big into the Simon T Hockey Simulator Hockey Leagues, as you know. I think you've dabbled in it from time to time in the I'm past. Sorry. Yes, it does have its downfalls and frustrations, everything. Everything to go with it. It's frustrating. Um, our guest today from down on the Mr. Jarrett Gray, a.k.a. Lid Tasso, a GM in my RHL Simon T. Hockey League. And it's how we met. And we've had a lot of fun. So welcome to the pod, Jarrett. Nice to have you on from. Uh, welcome. Welcome. To, what, is, what time is it down there? We're recording. It's 920 Eastern time here on Saturday night. What time is it where you are? Greetings from the future. It is uh, 1.20 p.m. on a Sunday. And sorry to disappoint anyone who thought when you sat down under that I was going to have a, a nice, cool, sexy Australian accent. But um, I'm technically, I'm, I'm from Canada, but I live in Australia. But uh, thanks for having me, guys. What's going on? Absolutely. You know, I can pick up a little bit of a hint of uh, the Australian accent in your voice. Yeah. I, I know you've been down there for, for a bit. You're definitely picking some of it up. It's creeping in. Um, I get this weird thing. I think it's like a mix now of, of my Canadian and whatever I've picked up with Aussie. And I get probably every third person who asks me asks if I'm Irish, which is really weird because I don't because I'm and I'm not even joking. But people ask me if I'm Irish all the time, and I'm like, what? But no, no it's, it's, it's 
it's good. Definitely, definitely got a, definitely got a mix there. Um, but yeah, it was you know you you were kind of a late addition. You joined the RHL after I did. We um, we went through a little bit of a regime change, and we had a bunch of GMs bail on our on our simulation hockey league. You were one of the uh, first people that joined once once you know myself and a couple of others. Blix, who's been a been a guest on this podcast as well, is one of the uh, the guys that helps run it. And you were one of the first guys that jumped in. Uh, how how have you liked it so far? I mean. For for those of you don't that don't know the, the it's a real simulation hockey league. I like to to phrase it as a shitty NHL like video game without playing the games. It's shitty because the sim engine sucks, and we always complain about it. But we get so addicted and so into playing this this fake hockey league, and it's so it's just it's addicting. So I, I want I want to know how, how how you've enjoyed it so far. Well, look, it started off. It was, uh, I had three teams to choose from when I first started and it was, they were not great teams. I had Washington, the Islanders and the Maple Leafs were the three teams that were available to me at the time. Both dumpster fires when he came in. Both dumpster fires. And they were, they were all, all terrible. And I weirdly picked the Leafs, which is shocking for me because I I do not like Toronto, but they were the best of the three. Um, but that being said, it has been, uh, it's been a, it's been a fun journey. And uh, I met a lot of cool people, including yourself. And uh, and like you said, though, it is absolutely addicting. Um, and sadly, sometimes it uh, it can either really make my day or or ruin my day, depending on 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 what happens. But uh, yes, I'm in T. You're a you're a cruel mistress, that's for sure. Absolutely. And uh, you know, I've gone through so I've had some really good teams in the past in this league. And I'll tell you, like my teams were loaded, supposed to be going to the playoffs. And I finished with a second overall pick. Like that's that's how random this engine is. Ace, I'm sure that you've had some experience with this. Can you can you kind of confirm what I'm saying here? Yeah, man. Like I I we used to be on SDHS in the SHL. We swapped over to Franchise Hockey Manager. I want to say like three years ago, four years ago. Um, and the problem was is that we had with the way that we build our players, somebody found the meta. And found if you can control the exact builds and the exact strategy, there's no way to beat that team. And one team was going like 80 and one. And it just, (laughs) it was ridiculous. And everybody tried to copy it and then they would find a new meta. And it was just like copy the cat meta league. And there was no deviation in strategy, no deviation on builds. And it was really against the spirit of what we were looking to do in the SHL. So we moved off of it. it. I can see why it would work for a traditional NHL league and not like, you know, a full creative player, mm-hmm. you know, top to bottom league. So I know that there's a lot of successful GM leagues in SDHS that still work. It just didn't work for us anymore. Um, I myself was the GM of the New England Wolfpack at the time. And we had a President's Trophy winning team rolled through the first four rounds of the playoffs gotten to the final and then our goaltender which was you know our equivalent of the Vezina in this community caliber and then all of a sudden he posted like a 7.0 goals against average in the entire cup final and we got swept by like the sixth seed from the west and ever since that happened I have told myself I will never forgive Simon Tremblay and I will find where he lives in Quebec (laughs) drive to his house and egg it myself with my homemade backyard chicken eggs, so at least it's an authentic uh, Ace production. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's there's issues with every sim engine, right? But uh, 
Yeah, it's nothing uh, perfect. I, I do look back fondly on my time using STHS. I'm glad it's over, but uh, you know, yeah, been there, done that. Absolutely. I've had I've had a couple of deep runs in the playoffs that have fallen just short. I think the last two years I've lost in like game seven of the Western Conference Finals, and then you know I got swept out one time. I'll tell you what though, just just to rag on Blix a little bit. It's always nice when you can knock him out of the playoffs. I'm in the same division of his, as him. He's the Avalanche. I'm the Jets. So we go we go toe to toe. He had the President's Trophy team last year. I was the last team to get in as a wild card. And what did I do? I think I swept him out, or a gentleman swept him out. Like four to one, four zero. He was gone. I was like it's poetic justice because that dude likes to troll in this league. He likes to troll me. So shout out to Blix. Hopefully the same thing happens again because I think we're destined to have the same matchup based on the standing so far but he's getting, rolling he's rolling right now oh he always is rolling he he might be he might have found a little bit of the meta that, that's going on with this league because it seems like he's he's he started off sucky he changed his stuff and now he's on an absolute run yeah, let's but, just say pass meta pass meta is the thing yes <laughs> but it's, a, it's, a, it's so it's so conflicting how it works out like i started off this season i was on a I like got 21 game point streak. I'd won the 13 in a row. I was I was cruising. Didn't change anything, and then just started losing and couldn't score. And so, anyways, I think I play Blix today too. So we'll see we'll see how that goes. But oh, so tell me about your teams. First, what what is your team in the RHL? I'm the Winnipeg Jets. Oh my God, everybody's got some Winnipeg connection. So I, I I was basically this was a team I was given when I joined when Blix asked me to join. I basically rebuilt this thing by a series of trades, dude. I say, I say, I say, the draft picks, dude. I trade them all. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm all about building my team out. But I, my top six is legitimate. I got, I got. Uh, let's see, Kyle Connor, Braden Point, and Miko Rantanen, and then second line, Nico Hishier, David Pasternak, and Riley Smith. They're my wingers. So like, my top six is bona fide. Connor Hellebuck is my goaltender. And mm. my defense is is what it is. Suspect. Like it's, it's suspect. <laughs> it's uh, it, my, I should be able to outscore any team in this. And of course, Simon T likes to likes to play games on it. But I did just uh, Ace, you'll like this. I did just uh, make a trade for for the friend of the show. Oh yeah, geeks. Geek Mr. Geeky, yeah, he's now my uh, on my third line, my third line center. Nice. Yep. I'm half paying attention right now because the Aurora, my team in the SHL, uh, it is game five of the Challenge Cup final. We were down in the series three to one, and we just won game game five. So now it's a three two series. Game six at home, we're looking at tactics, trying to decide what we're gonna do. <laughs> That's fine. So we'll we'll keep talking. We'll we're keep we're talking. gonna send it here. Yeah. So so Jared, what about your team? What do you got? Uh, well, like, like, uh, Bridget alluded to when I first joined Toronto, it was, uh, it was a mess. It was a hot, hot mess. I can't remember who exactly was on it anymore, but from, from the gate, I just, just burnt it down. I got rid of everybody, anybody who was associated with that team when I first got it are, are gone. Um, and, uh, again, I'm not quite, my top six, not quite as good as, uh, as Burgies, but um, I've got uh, I got Stamkos, I've got Sam Reinhardt, I've got Nakushkin, um, Alex Tuch or Tuch or however you want to pronounce it. Um, I've got Logan Thompson in net. Um, I'm pretty I'm pretty spread out. I don't have any like super top end talent, but um, it's enough that uh, I can I can hang in there. I can hang in there. I crept into the playoffs last year, same as same as Burge, and uh, went to the conference final as well. And 
and lost to uh, who did I lose to? I can't remember now. Billy. Uh, oh, I lost to I lost to yeah, I lost to Bill. Who eventually we we were talking all playoffs about how we wanted to have a Winnipeg Toronto final so we could we could be happy with whoever whoever won the matchup, but that didn't that happen. Be, I, I got booted right be, out, swept right out of the conference finals last year. <laughs> yeah, by by the Ducks no less, yeah. which is always always painful, but but yeah, I mean, I love I love the concept. I've become a real hockey nerd it's really helped me i mean before i joined the rhl i never really knew like the prospects or like the guys that were coming up through the minors like outside of the bruins i didn't really pay attention or care and this has kind of opened my eyes to the rest of the league it helps me like think about the nhl draft i used to never even care about the nhl draft i'd be like when they make my my big club i'm i'm in and now being in the RHL it forces you to look into the, uh, you know, the the weeds of the NHL draft. You're not talking like just the top prospects. You're talking about fifth, sixth round picks that you're you're looking at drafting and allows you to follow these guys because we base our ratings in the sim on real life performance. And they change every year based on the stats that come through. We have formulas that are designed to you know, rate players based on how they perform at the NHL and the AHL level. So it's, it's, it'll, there's a sense of realism to it because not only are you wanting to perform at the sim in your sim, you want to watch your players perform in real life. And I think that that is, again, I joined, I'm in now going into my sixth year of being part of this. It's really opened my eyes to really following the league as a whole more and not just necessarily following my team. I don't know if you feel the same way, Jarrett. I know you, your favorite team, you're, I don't know if we're going to have the video out for this, but you're wearing, you got all your favorite team gear on to Ace's dismay. It's kind of nice to see him get all, all worked up over it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, let, let's talk, let's, let's transition a little bit, talk a little bit about your background into hockey. Like I, I know you're, you're, you, talk, you're from Manitoba, a little bit outside of Winnipeg. And I just want to get, get your take on how you got into hockey and uh, some of your favorite moments, some of your favorite teams. I know big junior team that you like to follow. Uh, so yeah, just talk a little bit about that. Well, just touching back, I'll just go back to what you had said about the about the RHL real quickly. Is um, again, you can there's obviously different levels of of how people take it, but I mean, you get guys who will just do the auto draft. But um, I mean, I've always considered myself to have the my finger on the pulse around the league. But since joining the RHL, it's exactly what you said. You you start doing these deep dives on all the prospects, and uh, it's uh, it's really opened my eyes, and I pay a lot more attention to to guys I, I never ever would have. So um, you're you're right on the money for that. But yeah. Uh, so originally from uh, Brandon, Manitoba, home of the Brandon Weekings, um, which again is my probably it's a, probably a close tie between the the Flames and the Weekings in terms of my level of uh, fandom for for both. Um, Weekings have had a modicum of success uh, over the years. We've we've done pretty well, and we had a a pretty good uh, GM who ran the the scene for a while. You might know him, Kelly McCrimmon. Uh, who now is the the reigning GM of the the Stanley Cup champion Vegas Knights? Mm -hmm. Love him, or, love him or hate him. Um, a lot of people, you know, when it comes to Vegas, think that he's not loyal to his players and whatnot. Um, I think he runs his NHL team like he runs a junior team, and he just tries to be just keep it successful all the time. Which, I mean, for Vegas coming coming into the league brand new, um, I think he's done a pretty good job. Not that he was there from doing GM, but he's, he stepped in and did a, an admirable job. Anyways, uh, how did I get into hockey? Um, geez, from my earliest memories, I was on skates. Um, I don't know how I, you know, I think dad just slapped them on and, and we started skating. And uh, 
but uh yeah loved it loved it since since that time um and and, and in canada as, as a kid if you're into hockey which you typically are if you're a male um it's all you do in the winters in the summers you're playing street hockey you're playing ice hockey there's rinks everywhere um so that's what we would do we'd play hockey and unlike you guys i was not a goalie i think i played <laughs> goal, i think i played goal once when i was like seven or eight and i let in eight goals and i was like nah, that's <laughs> so i was uh i was a forward and uh i did okay um you know nothing nothing super super high level played until i was about 16 in high school and um and high school was a was a different beast and i and i played in a, at, a, at a rural school so a lot of the guys were uh like farm boys they were real big and uh <laughs> and i'm and i'm not and so you got you know 15 16 year old me playing against 18 19 year old guys and uh again rocked i'm not gonna lie i got rocked a few times and i thought i don't know if i want to do this anymore so i uh i pulled the plug but but anyways that that was my my playing career um and I was going to make a really cool segue or a funny segue. I thought about how I had a lot in common with certain players on the Bruins in that I was never drafted by an NHL team. Turns out, though, that the Bruins are that. You guys have, like, a ton of, like, top-end talent, guys that were drafted in, like, first, second round, third round. I think the lowest I saw for your – outside of your goalies was was fourth, fourth-round guy. I think Oldmark was, was drafted in the sixth. Um, it's not a wonder you guys have such a good team, like – you guys got some really good talent there. So they they got they got a lot they got a lot going for them. And you know to, to to circle back, I mean to talk how you were forward and you let in your you know your eight goals that one time you played goalie. You must be must be a little bit more sane than Ace and I. I mean you listen to us bicker back and forth on this week to week about stupid stuff. You must have a little bit more brains than we do because we like to get hit in the head with with hockey pucks. I do it on a weekly basis now. And now now if somebody hits me in the head since I'm you know in my mid thirties, I'm like dude, tone it down, man. I got to go to work tomorrow. Don't hit me in the head. Like I'll come out, I'll whack you in the leg if you want to go because I don't want to get hit in the head with a slap yeah, shot. Always, you guys are wired differently. It's just, uh, I don't know. Like some, some guys, I mean, again, you know, if, if you want to, some guys are wired to, to keep the puck out. Other guys want to put it in and, uh, and, and props to you guys. Cause, uh, yeah, it's not for everyone. That's a Give me some street hockey. Yeah. I'll, I'll play goal in street hockey. I love street <laughs> hockey. Probably, but... I mean, I wouldn't play it now either. I'm 42, and uh, and I'd and I'd probably die. Last time I played any sort of recreational hockey, I think I was in my my 20s. I was like a pack a day smoker. I was drinking. We went to the Keystone <laughs> Center, which is the home of the Weekings, which is a full slate of ice. And I hadn't played hockey in probably like four years. And my buddy said, "Hey, can you come play?" And we were we were down about 10 guys. We only had six guys on the team. And uh, I I did like what you know I would go from one end of the ice to the other, and I was literally I was dying, and I thought, no. Nah, this is yeah my my playing career. If, if I ever had aspirations, that, which I didn't at the time, they were they were sh shut down pretty pretty quickly. But yeah. absolutely no, I totally I totally get that. And you know, since since you moved to Australia, I mean, I'm sure there's not as much hockey uh, hockey down there obviously as there is here in in North America. So it's a little bit different. But the NHL did come to Australia this year. And I understand that you ended up attending one of those games. I remember you sent me a picture from, from one of those games. What was that experience like? How was the crowd? How did everybody down there take to it? Yeah, it was actually really good. So it was played at uh, Rod Laver Arena, which is uh, really well known for uh, tennis for the Australian Open, which I've gone to see uh, down there a few times. Uh, so when we went, I was sort of like, what's this going to be like going to this tennis arena, having a hockey rink there? 
and they did an amazing job of transforming it. When I walked in, I felt like I'd walked into to a proper hockey arena. So props to the behind the scenes people who who put it all together. Uh, and the crowd was great. The, both games were sellouts. Um, they had, you know, obviously your little things set up outside, you know, to see the Stanley Cup and all these little booths to, you know, shoot the puck and all sort of stuff. Yeah. So there was a ton of there was a ton of people there. Um, it was great, and the game was good. Uh, it was yeah. So Kings and and Coyotes. I uh, got to see Logan Cooley, who the night before had scored like one of the goals of the year mm-hmm. um, at the time. I can't remember. Yeah, and so we were we were really hyped up to see Cooley, and he didn't have the the greatest game. Um, but uh, it was good to see NHL hockey. It was good to see the guys, and um, they seemed to really enjoy it as well. Um, Jordan Spence was playing for the Kings, who uh, was born in Australia and trained in his early years, so he got a a pretty good ovation from the crowd. And uh, yeah, no, it was good. It was really good. I miss it so much. It's uh, it's tough being an Australian, being a hockey fan. Just the time differences. And by the time I get home, all the games are over. Um, weekends are great for me. Usually on a Sunday, which we're for me, we're recording right now. That's what I pretty much do from the time I get up. I, I watch hockey because it's the only day I, I can do it. Um, so I get home and I watch all the highlights and uh, I try to keep up as much as I can, which you know, it's just all you can do. In Canada, it's easy. You know, you can slap on the TV, you can check on TSN, ESPN, the score, and you get hockey highlights, you know, for, you know, you can you can be on top of that all the time. So um, as a fan down here, you've really got to pay attention and, and do your homework if you want to keep up with it. So, yeah, it's... I, uh, yeah. I can imagine it's that way for any, any kind of North American sport that you want to follow because the time difference in itself, I mean, when we were talking about trying to schedule this, this interview with you, it was, it was like, we gotta, we gotta think, consider the time difference because like we can't record on a Sunday night at eight o'clock because that's midday Monday and you're at work. So I can definitely appreciate the, uh, the level of dedication it takes to be a hockey fan across the world, down, down under again, down under. Boston accent, yeah, right there. Yeah, you, you hear all the guys, like you know, the guys who play NHL, and uh, like you know, like there, there's it, your Australian accent, by the way. <laughs> the guys, the guys. Uh, but you hear when you, they're talking about. I'm trying to remember who it was. Uh, somebody was just doing an interview the other day, and um, and you know, they said they used to set up their their alarm for 3 a.m. I think they were in 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 Chechia or something like that, and they would get up in the middle of the night to watch hockey games. You know, their parents didn't know that, so they'd get up for school and be super tired. But you know you're sort of a bit jaded when you live in North America for all these, you know, whether it's, you know, MLB, NBA, NFL, because you've got them in, in your time zone all the time. I mean, you guys have a bit of a whinge about West Coast games because you've got to stay up late. But I mean, that's <laughs> hardly anything, you know, I mean, I was even even when I was in, in Canada, it was all right being in Manitoba because, you know, you were sort of in the middle. So you could catch the East Coast games, you could catch the West Coast games, and it wasn't too bad. Um, West but, Coasters yeah. have it made, though, like to have a 4 p.m. puck drop, like, you can leave work a little early, go to the bar, watch the East Coast games, stay there until like 10 p.m. your time. Deadly. Like, whoo! Deadly. <laughs> I might not make 42 if that was the case. <laughs> well, I, I, I do want to thank you for, for, for coming on with us, Jarrett. Um, you know, it's it's great to finally chat with you, have a conversation with you and, you know, actually meet you in person here as close as we can possibly get because us going across, you know, the world, I mean, isn't always feasible, but I do want to thank you for taking the time. Thank you for being an avid listener for us. And we always appreciate the feedback that you, yes. that you've brought to us. And uh, we hope to do it again sometime and you Absolutely. Know, we'll get you on again and, you know, go Leafs and go Jets in the RHL, right? 
Yeah, that's right, man. Go out and go Bruins and and go Flames in real life. Although I'm sure Ace Ace won't. Uh, I'm fine with the Flames. I'm fine with that. You know, they <laughs> can be my West team. It works for hey, me. Hey, I'm gonna. I gotta just ask one thing before I go. Also, thanks for having me, guys. I'm happy to come on anytime. But I just gotta ask for for the people that aren't hardcore Bruins fans. And I don't think you guys have ever mentioned it. And if you have, I apologize. The intro song. To me, it sounds like you guys went on AI and you went make a song for a podcast about Bruins that sounds like the Dropkick Murphys. That's what it sounds like to me. What is, is this? Where does the song come from? It's literally the Dropkick Murphys. It's on one of their albums. It's a song called is Time it? to Go. Yeah. Okay. All right. I figured I, I, I didn't want to look into what the actual song was. So I wanted to ask you guys in person, but all right. Now we all know. You've never given it any credit before. And I figured everyone who lives in your area probably knows it. But for us people who don't, yeah, anyways, Dropkick Murphys. There you go, everyone. You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, Dropkick Murphys, they'll go and do a show in, in Montreal. And they'll show up on stage all wearing their Bruins jerseys. And, like, it's same thing with, like, Bill Burr. When Bill Burr does, like, a comedy show in Quebec, he makes, like, the promo code to get early tickets. Like, Boston Bruins are awesome or something like that. Just to <laughs> fucking piss off all those Quebecois. And I am, uh, I, I'm a big stand of that. I love it. <laughs> All right, Jared. Well, thanks again for joining us. It's great having you. Um, I'm glad you didn't uh, yell at me too much uh, about my takes uh, in this interview. I'm sure there'll be more time in the future. Make sure you next go ahead time. and feed your uh, your internet gerbils so they're ready and we don't have to use another platform to record the next interview. That'd be great. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time, buddy. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Cheers. So the fun discussion with Jared aka led tasso over there in the rhl friend of burge and uh a long time you know as long time as you can be here on the two pad stack listener of the show tunes in every episode so really great to chat with him get some of his insights some of the stuff that he loves um i mean he's definitely got a fun story to tell right you know what how many other people do you know from manitoba that decided to go on the literal opposite side of the globe so um bringing his hockey passion to, to Australia. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's great for us to have an international audience. So mm -hmm. keep it up, Jarrett. We, uh, we appreciate you. Um, but there's plenty of B stuff to talk about before we wrap today's episode, Burge. So um, first things first, I'm, I'm kind of curious. You know, we are the two-pad stack. Burge and I are goalies here, right? We should probably get a good understanding of what's going on with that Linus Olmark situation. Now, news has come out since the injury that, it was, uh, you know, more of a day-to-day uh, uh, -day thing. But, man, it kind of was scary there for a second. It kind of reminded me of when, you know, the kind of the injury that Tuka Rask had at the end with the hip. It was definitely a lower body injury, as the Bruins have come out and said. But you see it was kind of a non-contact thing. And you see the kind of motion where he just flexed, and it looked like he, there was like a hyperextension there or something that you have to worry about. And, you know, as you know, being a goalie, when you have hyperextend that hip, it's very painful to keep playing. And obviously he's in a lot better shape than, you know, the two of us are <laughs> to be, to be able to keep get back in shape and uh, rehab that injury. But yeah, it kind of had that kind of vibe to it and great, new, great to hear that it's more of a day-to-day -day thing. I know uh, since, you know, we, I think we, you know, saw that he's practicing in his full gear, which is a good, good sign that he's skating. Um, so definitely more of a day-to-day -day thing. Um, but yeah, got to be careful with those hip and groin injuries because they if you don't let them heal properly they can linger and return constantly you know I mean, it's just like what happened in the postseason last year like we were talking about the you were you mentioned the rask injury let's talk about how Linus wasn't himself in the first round right you know he had that tweak and it was publicly known everyone knew that he tweaked it 
you know, Bob Asenza and Linus came out and said, oh, I'm back to 100%. But in the postseason, you know, in, in the breakup day and, and interviews after that, you know, he was very candid. Like, you know, I still was dealing with something. He didn't elaborate exactly what it was. But, I mean, with goaltenders, it's what? Your your knees, your hips, your groin. Like, mm-hmm. that's what it is the vast majority of the time, unless you get run over, right? So, the, um, the groin, I definitely... The... Sorry, go, go ahead, ahead, finish. I was going to no, say the, the groin The groin is definitely one that I've I've experienced in my playing day when I was younger. And I tried to come back immediately from it. And ev- and I'm, I still deal with it. It's not every time that I skate now. I'm obviously, again, not a professional goalie. But I can feel that pull more or less every time that I play. And it's not as severe because, again, I'm not playing at that level. But you can feel it in the inside of your leg. And it, it's it's painful. And it, it, it will linger if you don't allow it to heal. And I wonder, you know, given what we saw last year in the playoffs, I wonder if he re-aggravated the same thing. Like, yeah. It's very, very possible, very possible. So I'd rather them be cautious with him coming back, you know, give Boosie a chance to get, get some playing, see if Swayman can carry the load and just don't rush him back because you are going to need him, you know, for the final stretch of the season. And I'd rather not see them rush him back for January games when you're going to need him at the end of February and March and beginning of April. Yeah. A hundred percent in agreement. And, uh, you know, as as Berge and I have talked about in the past, I mean, I love I'm a I'm a proponent for the tandem until they prove me wrong. Burge wants to see if one of these guys can be the number one. And this is a good opportunity for Jeremy Swayman to prove, you know, if the Bruins do decide to tap one goalie on the shoulder, can Swayman be that guy? And, you know, it's not going to be like a long term situation, because like we said, thankfully, Linus Hallmark is out day to day, not like uh, an IR type situation. But, um, you know, even in a small sample size. You know, Swayman's the guy right now, and this is a good opportunity for him. So speaking of opportunity for Jeremy Swayman, he was named to the NHL All-Star event in Toronto. Um, he was added to the roster via fan vote. Um, so that's going to be his first All-Star appearance, which is, you know, it, it's it's pretty crazy, man. You Like, you just take a step back and you think about the Boston Bruins for a second, right? And you think about their goaltending situation. You know, we have the goaltender that won the Vezina Trophy last year. And the Boston Bruins this year have a goaltender going to the All-Star game. And it's not the guy that won the Vezina Trophy last year. Like, what does that say about the goaltending depth for this team? We've talked about it immensely a lot before, but, you know, it's just a testament to, you know, the position of strength that the Bruins have in the crease. Absolutely. And, you know, it's been one of those things that, you know, we've we've harped on this the whole entire time that we've been doing this thing about how fortunate the Bruins are to have what they've had in net for the last you know, decade and a half, two decades of just elite goaltending play consistently. You know, you go from Tim Thomas to what he was to Tuka Rask for a decade. And now you're good seeing it with Linus Olmark and, and Jeremy Swayman. It's like, you can just plug, it almost, almost feels like that you can plug any goalie in the system in that they, that they, you know, tap as a goalie that can play for this big, the big league club. And just tap them in. You're going to get the same thing. It's been, it's been such a long sustained period of success that it feels like no matter who's in that, you're going to get that level of play. I mean, even when they brought in Anton Hudobin and Yaroslav Halak, when they were here for back, backing up Tuka Rask, they were again, not the same to what we're seeing now with the split uh, of games, but when they played, they played at an elite level. Like there were times when you, when, when Halak was here with rest that people were calling for Halak to play in the playoffs because he was playing so well. And it just seems like any, any goaltender that this organization identifies as a piece that can fit in here, 
that you can just plug and play them. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it was a little different. Those are more of like a traditional backup role. But I mean, there's a reason why you saw those guys in Yarrow Halak and Anton Hudobin go and turn their performance in Boston into contracts with other NHL mm-hmm. markets. You know, when you have aged veteran backup goalies like that, it's not uncommon for them to be like, you know, after a decent season for them to just kind of hang it up and be done. But because the Bruins system and the Bruins goaltending, or as uh, Bob Asenza likes to call it, the uh, the Department of Goaltending Excellence, uh, you know, really kind of uh, puts them in a position to be successful. They're able to continue their careers elsewhere. And, you know, you saw Anton Hudobin go down to Dallas and go on a decent run after that. So it's not exclusively on, you know, the Bruins management of goaltenders, but, you know, you saw him fall off very quickly after that nice season when he wasn't in that Boston sheltered environment. But um, I want to talk about Jeremy Swayman a little bit more. Uh, you know, he had some comments after that win against the St. Louis Blues uh, about his being selected to the all-star game first you want to give us the exact comments that he had yeah so when he was asked about being named to the all-star game which again is a pretty pretty big moment for for a young goalie he basically uh answered the question with after dealing with what i did this summer with arbitration hearing things that a player should never hear it feels pretty special to be in this situation now i i read that as i'm still pissed off at management for, for for doing this and you know making me have to go to this point to go through the arbitration process. And I know you got some thoughts on that. I'll let you, let you take those away now. But I mean, for me, it seems like somebody is very sour with what, what's gone on with Boston yeah. in the last six yeah. months. It's very interesting. These comments, like it, it seems like it's kind of out of nowhere. And I saw some other people talking about it online and I have to echo their sentiments, but like Swayman, you, you were the one that came out and, and opted you elected for arbitration. It wasn't team elected arbitration it was player elected arbitration so you wanted to do this and then that date was locked in for months and the team had the opportunity to work with you to lock in a contract beforehand so like i get it like it sucks to hear all those things that's what arbitration is you know it's an independent arbitrator wanting to hear both parties perspectives on why they think they earn or deserve a certain number and the boston bruins their job, you know, specifically the management team, Don Sweeney and, and Cam Neely, as much as people dislike them, you know, they've run a, a really tight ship for a long time and mm-hmm. they've organized the cap situation with Evan Gold in a very responsible manner. And being egregious on contracts like Peter Shirelli was when he was in Boston is not the way to keep a consistently contending team. So their job, Don Sweeney, Cam Neely, Evan Gold, the rest of the Bruins management, is to identify reasons why Jeremy Swayman is not worth you know, whatever he's looking for. And it is a really awkward conversation because this guy is a member of your team. He's a young goaltender, one of the rising stars in the league, and you have to actively verbally sabotage him in this session to put your team in the most, you know, you know, best position possible to have success. So, you know, it sucks, but Jeremy, you were the one that, that decided to do it. And we could have done this before and, and, and settled beforehand and not have to go through that whole process. Um, Additionally, it's it's just weird because he also had comments afterwards, after everything was determined and, and settled. And he's like, you know what, you know, it's 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 fine. We're we're putting it in the rearview mirror. Really happy to be a Bruin. Um, you know, it's it's a process that's done. So it just seems really strange that when asked about the All Star event, you know, he brings this up again because you, he could easily just take the road of, 
you know, it's it's a testament to to my team. We've done a great job being defensive and, and protecting me. It's it's not an honor for you know the state the the, the yeah, hockey absolutely. cliches, right? You know, it's it, this is an award for for my team, not just myself. But no, he just randomly brought that up, and somebody else pointed out the fact that you know Jeremy Swayman is eligible for an extension as of January first, twenty twenty four. So maybe that was just kind of like a shot across the bow to spark contract discussions again. Um, which I think is an interesting point, but it's just it's just a very odd situation. That that's kind of my takeaway. Yeah, and I mean at the same time that he elected to ar- to go to arbitration, I think that he probably did that based on discussions with the team. They weren't close, and I think you look at the numbers that I think I want to say that the Bruins had them in like the the high twos for their for their number, and you know Swayman was a, was north of four, so they they weren't really close to really match that up. I, I'm not sure if those are the numbers, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was in that ballpark. The team, yeah. I think the team definitely has to, you know, take some of the heat for it. But like you said, I agree with hundred percent for what you said about how Don Sweeney, Cam Neely, you know, as much as we have bashed them over the years, one thing they have done is they have secured a lot of their homegrown talent on real team friendly contracts. You look at what Patrice Bergeron had Brad Marchand, I think is still probably the most, one of the most valuable contracts in the league. And it has been since more or less the time that he signed it. And I, I think that the Bruins also have a little bit of happy feet, given the extension that was given to Tuka Rask, where they were paying him 8 million a year, which was on the high side, the very high side at the time. Um, so I think there's a little bit of apprehension on that in that sense. But at the same time, Jeremy Swayman, get over it. Like it was six months ago. Like you're playing, you're here. You've said you want to be here. Uh, get over it. Like, yeah, use it internally as fuel for yourself to continue to, to grow as a player and to motivate you to continue to perform at an elite level. But get over it. Like you're going to have another contract coming up here pretty soon to discuss with the team. And you know what? If, if it really is bothering you that much maybe you don't want to be here maybe you're talking out of both sides of your mouth so like it's like pick pick one and and stick with it but for the season just just get over it like you're an all-star get over it you're proving them wrong yes you don't need to keep bringing it up in the middle of a of a pretty darn good start to this first half of the season for the Bruins you don't need to keep bringing it up yeah I agree uh all right well um on the top the subject of all-star games um you know, we already knew that David Pasternak was named as an all-star. It wasn't a fan vote. The league's just like, you're too fucking good. You're going, you know, sorry, cancel that vacation that you might have been thinking about doing. We want you on display at this at this league-wide event. So um, Pasta's going there, and, uh, you know, they're changing up the, the all-star format for this year, you know, which is a wonderful thing because the all-star game and, and the skills competition have been disastrous to try to watch in previous seasons. So I'm really hopeful that maybe this new model in which they're doing things is a little bit better. Um, But uh, pasta has been named one of the participants of the new format of skills competition. So I don't know what that's going to look like yet. I don't think a lot of details have come out on that yet, but uh, I'm very interested in seeing what that looks like. I do have to give Pasta the big shout out for last year's All-Star game because I was one of the idiots that watched and he did that Happy Gilmore thing. um, And it was fucking probably (laughs) the most hilarious thing that anybody did at that event. So um, what's what's your take on the new All-Star game format? Have you heard anything, Burge? What do you think? I haven't really seen anything. It looks like it's going to have eight events. 
uh, as a part of it. The winner of the of the whole thing is going to get a million dollar prize. So they're incentivizing the players to to really participate in this by giving them a you know a million bucks there. Um, you know, it's a lot of it seems like it's kind of this some of the stuff that's the same. Like they have the the fastest skater, hardest shot. You know, the accuracy that Ray Bork, I remember watching him do it, was phenomenal at back in the day. Um, a passing challenge, stick handling challenge, and then a one-timers challenge. So those are the events that they're going to have. It'll be interesting to see how how the whole format works. Um, it looks like they got, I think there's going to be 12 guys that are going to be competing in it. Yeah. So um, don't really see much of a of a breakaway thing. So at least Pasta doesn't have to worry about getting razzed for his, you know, his shootout attempt the other night. The same kind of thing <laughs> in the All Star game. But no, it'll it'll be it'll be very interesting. They have a, a pretty neat scoring uh scoring setup too. Like you got to have like a take a round robin kind of thing where you get points for how who comes in first, second, third, and all that. And actually, you know what? It does look like there's going to be a shootout. So Pasta better brush up on those skills. <laughs> um yeah yeah um what do you th- i know i know you have comments we've seen it on social media but the the all-star jerseys that were revealed ugh. that were designed by drew house and, and justin bieber i just i you know what they just they they look cheap it just i mean you could argue that it's all oh, it's it's an all-star jersey it fits it like like army did on twitter going back and forth with me at the time but like you know it's it's one of those things like uh, who's going to spend money on that like i do you want to market and try to make money for the week i mean i'm not i wouldn't spend my money on one of those it just looks cheap it looks cheesy um i mean i get it's an all-star jersey and that most of the time that they they they, they do miss when it comes to these um and call me nostalgic but i love the whole the old eastern western logos from like the garden when remember when they had it at the at the fleet center oh, yeah. with those oh, yeah. logos for the conferences on it just the colors well, simple if you go to simple. the pro shop right now because of the next uh era event that's coming up they um they actually have those the merch from the all-star game that we hosted back Lit. in like 2000 so 96 yeah something like that yeah whatever <laughs> when they opened up the the fleet center so mm-hmm uh yeah i actually like the all-star jerseys they're they're uh i like them because they're different from everything we've seen in the past all the other garbage um it's it's more creative i think and they get yeah like let's have some fun with these sweaters right it's supposed to be a fun event so um i kind of like them nhl call brett howard next time to make those jerseys please call brett he'll do a lot better yeah he just won't ever pay you if you need money from him (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Shout out, Brett. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the Bruins a little bit more here. Um, that road trip, man, like it was a struggle for them to close things out in regulation. Like, like I'm not going to complain about the Colorado game. Like they did a good job of clawing back and forcing overtime. Um, but man, this team does not look compelling or entertaining or confident in three on three overtime and and in the grand scheme of things as long as they keep collecting a point that's not that big of a deal because it doesn't matter there's no three on three mm-hmm. in the postseason but holy smokes man they are so discombobulated when it, it's extra time and oh yeah you you can absolutely notice it and you know this team apparently does love to lose in overtime i mean you see how many i think they have the second most overtime or shoot overtime plus shootout losses the, you know, basically the loser point, if you want to call it that, in the league right now. I think there's only one team that has more than them. So, I mean, yeah, great. Get the point. I mean, like you said, I agree about the three-on-three. Three. Like, 
as long as you're getting the point, okay, let's just not make a continuous habit of it where you're going to end up with 20 of them, you know, at the end of the season. I really yeah, don't want to see like that. Eight losses in OT so far I this year or something like that. I think it's nine. I think it's nine. It's nine. Nine OT losses. The only are team you including shootout in that. That's all of them. That's overtime okay. plus shootouts. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think we have one shootout loss. You're right. And then yep. Eight overtime losses. Like, holy smoke! Just imagine how many points the bees would have been, had banked if they uh, successfully converted on a few more of those OTs or you know one and a couple more shootouts. Like, it's. Uh, it's, it's I think that's by far me. that's by far the biggest number in the league. I mean, the OT the OT plus shootout losses. I mean, they're tied for second with nine. The Islanders have yeah. ten, and Kraken have ten. But the Kraken have lost four shootouts. The Islanders the Islanders have lost three shootouts. So I mean, they're losing more in overtime than ninety nine percent of the league. Well, so. like I I think I'd give the Bruins the edge in the shootout this year, which is weird because historically Boston's never been a really good shootout team, mm -hmm. right? But between the two goalies, it doesn't matter who we have in there. You know, nine times out of ten, we're gonna have the advantage in the goaltending department. And then if you can get Coyle to go out there and do his move, get DeBrusca to go out there and mm -hmm. do his move. And if David Posternock can do his usual move, not the last one, but the usual move, <laughs> you know, the Bruins are going to win in a shootout the vast majority of the time. So it's almost like they need to almost survive the overtime right now um, because it's so surprising. I don't know what is up with Pasta and OT. And, and once again, this is not me complaining about Pasta. I love Pasta's skill set. He's an immense talent. And I would never, um, you know, marginalize or, or, or like uh, try to make it sound like I don't appreciate what he does for this club. He's the greatest scorer. I have ever seen in a Boston Bruins uniform is my time as a fan. But man, it's like some of the decisions he makes in overtime is like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like you're doing drop passes to no one. You're you and Marchand are, you know, peeling off to try to set up a two on one when we don't have the puck giving a three on one the other way. Um, it, it's just mind boggling. And honestly, the win that we just had against the blues, it shouldn't have even been a win like that. That was a trip. What Pasta did yep. was a trip. It was uncalled, and and McAvoy went down the other way and scored the overtime winner. And and I I did really laugh deep down. I did a belly laugh when I found out <laughs> that all the Blues fans are like, "Oh my God, that's a trip! They just won because of a trip." It's like you guys won a fucking cup because of a trip. So absolutely, yes. Shut the fuck up. I'd rather win the cup than a overtime win in regulation uh, in the regular season. So. Um, one thing, yeah. one thing to keep in mind with these with these overtime losses. I mean, the tiebreaker for for a lot of these standings is regulation and overtime wins. All right, so the Bruins have twenty three right now. I mean, Florida is three points behind them, and Florida has twenty seven. So if they come down to have the same amount of points, row is going to be be a tiebreaker, and that's something to keep in mind as they continue to pick up the again quote unquote loser point. It's it's tough. It's it's going to be tough if they continue the trend. But I, we're also in the middle of the season now. I'm okay with them kind of slumping at this point. They got time to get it right. As they've built themselves a nice, a nice cushion for the playoffs this year. And if they're going to slump, this is the time. Figure it out over the next month, month and a half, and then hit your stride middle of March and April. And that's what you want. You want to be playing your best hockey 100%. middle of March and beginning of April. And if that's all it is. Great. Right now is not the time to freak out about it because yeah, well, I mean, we've said this on the plot before, like last year, they never had any adversity and they didn't have to work through it and learn how to do that as a team. The adversity hit when the postseason hit and they got caught with their pants down and, you know, 
I would rather continue to have adversity by losing four straight overtime games and collect points than get the doors blown off, you know, six to one, five games in a row. So um, they're still proving that they, they are resilient. They are competitive. They don't like losing. Um, they just keep getting punched in the face an extra time. Uh, so let, let's see if, if maybe Jim Montgomery and the Bruins decide that three on three is something that they need to pay more attention to. So they, they bank more of those regulation or overtime wins, but uh, yeah, it's definitely a little bit of a concerning trend and something to monitor moving forward. Um, first of all, I think it's a good time for us to throw it over to our friend Pat and uh, he can give us this week's hat trick with Patrick. Uh, let's make some money. Yeah, I think I think we probably should. All right, so let's go over to Pat right now. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to Pat Stack fans, and welcome back to the two Pat Stack Patrick with Patrick. I am Patrick. Let's make some money. We are five and four on the year so far with hat tricks with Patrick. I am Patrick, and we are going to continue to try to make some money for the two Pat Stack fans. These are the picks for January 16th, 2024. First, we go with the total, and we are going with a risky one, but you got to risk it for the biscuit. It is the over six and a half goals scored in the Kings and Dallas Stars matchup. That is plus 102. The Stars, seven of their last 10 games have gone over, while the Kings have hit the over two in a row. So let's root for some goals from Kings and Stars. Next, we will go to the puck line, and that is going to be a homer pick for me. It is the New York Rangers, minus one and a half. That is plus 124. Rangers at home are a different animal, and I like them to take down the Kraken at MSG. And last but not least, we have our money line pick of the day, and that is going to be the Colorado Avalanche at Ottawa. Minus 135 to win outright. Simply put, the Avalanche are rolling 8-1-1 in their last 10 games. There you have it, 5-4 on the year. It is the Hattrick with Patrick for two Pat Stack fans everywhere. Let's make some money. All right, and there are your picks for this week. Um, I am not going to ride these this week. I need to save my money this week, but I, I wish all of you that do ride them. Uh, I wish you fame and fortune and uh, uh, good spirits and, and all that uh, proverbial nonsense. So um, thanks again, Pat, for, for doing that for us. Um, before we wrap, we have some, uh, some submissions on questions, uh, and uh, one of them is going to scratch my nerdy self uh itch but before we do that one let's throw it over to sully's question uh sully was asking had the linus allmark injury changed anyone's perspective on if the boston bruins should trade a goalie burge you go no i think we both were in agreement when we when we got started getting together on this podcast at the beginning of the season that they're going to ride the they're going to keep these two for the rest of the year no matter what Especially only time you were going to consider it is if they were bad and they're not. So for me, no changes, nothing. I think Swayman's getting his opportunity. Like we just said to get, you know, take that one role and kind of run with some starts in a row here, see how he does with it. And maybe a chance now, because again, you have that cushion to give, you know, Brandon Boosie a, a, a look with a game or two and 
at the big league level during the regular season while he's out. And again, because it doesn't seem like it's a long-term injury, no reason to change anything. Yeah, I agreed. And I do think it's a good opportunity for the Bruins, like you said, to see what they have in, in Boosie. Like, is he a guy that can contribute at the NHL level? I mean, you know, we got a quick barometer, a quick temperature check with him in the preseason, but regular season and preseason are two completely different beasts. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm in alignment with you. You know, it may be a different discussion if it was like a long-term injury. You know, if he was out, you know, two months or so, you know, maybe that discussion is a little bit different. But uh, but no, I mean, he's day-to-day. It's just a, a minor hiccup. You know, it's business as usual. Um, Ian Kennedy asks, Bruins trade pieces. So A, who do you think the Bruins could be seen moving away from? And B... You know, who do you think the Bruins should be looking at acquiring? Um, I'll tackle that one first. Uh, I would, it wouldn't shock me whatsoever to see Matt Grizzlick on the way out at the deadline. Um, Bruins have held on to him for a while. He's a local kid. You know, his dad is blah, blah, blah. Everyone knows the story. I'm not going to recite it. Um, He's had really good underlying analytics numbers for the previous three seasons. Unfortunately, that's not continued into this year, and he is really struggling with getting hemmed into our own zone, and he's not generating enough on the offensive side of things to make up for that. But I could see because of those underlying metrics and the rise of analytics throughout the NHL community, I can see another team saying, you know, it's kind of like that that relationship thing. I can fix him. I can do that. <laughs> yeah, we can make it work. So I could I could see Matt Grizzlick being shipped out. You know, I think he's got a cap hit of like three something million dollars. Mm-hmm. So that'll open up a little bit of room and flexibility on the roster side of things. Um, but uh, additionally, um, I don't see a whole lot of pieces on the roster that the Bruins would be moving off. You know, maybe maybe somebody sees value in, you know, Jacob Lauko or something. But, uh, you know, I don't really see a whole lot else that that the bees would be moving away. Targeting wise, I I wouldn't and and you know it's hard for me to say this because I I feel like Don Sweeney and Cam Neely are always really aggressive at the deadline. The Bruins are always a very active team when the trade deadline comes, um, and even like a week before that, if something works out that way. Uh, however, the Bruins are very restricted this year in regards to draft capital. You know they really pushed all of their chips to the center of the table last year. And I don't blame them. That was the right decision at the time. Absolutely. Um, but unfortunately, you know, you, you got to pay the piper when the time comes. And, and right now we have no assets, really. I don't want them to trade a first round pick from 2025. You know, we're at the point where we need to supplement this core with young talent. And, uh, you know, I would prefer the Bruins don't go out shopping unless there's like, you know, a free asset out there or something like that, where a player needs a change of scenery, like a young forward that's not working out with another team and you trade him for Matt Grizz, like one for one in a hockey trade. But I, I that's the only real kind of shopping I could see being done. Uh, I have a thought that I want to throw on, but I'm going to let you go ahead and handle your side of this question first. Sure. Uh, no, I totally agree with you about Matt Grizzlick. Um, I was kind of in the ballpark where I wanted to move off of him in the off season. Obviously that didn't, they didn't do that and he's still here, but with the emergence of Mason Lori and the health of the guys that they have, I don't think that Matt Grizzlick is like a, a guy that you'd want to fill a kind of a seventh defensive type of role. I mean, he's more, he's paid to be more than that. And I think another team could be, 
could be willing to do something like that to, you know, again, like you said, fix him. But you, you brought I up hockey trade. Him. You brought up hockey trade. And I think it would be perfect for them to try to trade Matt Grizzlick in a hockey trade for maybe a maybe a middle six forward if you could you could find a way to do that. And if you get because I think that you you, you need to maybe try to help out the forwards a little bit more. Um, yeah, you know, for, like for, I'd be open to throwing front. like a mid round pick with Matt Grizzlick exactly. in a hockey trade, like a fifth rounder and Matt Grizzlick, and and we could maybe get Sully's best friend Connor Garland. Exactly. Some some type of move like that is, is all I want them to see. I am 100% behind you. I do not want them spending future assets. They pushed all their chips last year, and like you said, paying the piper now, not worth it. They, they're going to need to stock that that farm system again with, with young talent. And, you know, maybe we see a kind of a trade deadline where, you know, from like 2019 where it was Marcus Johansson, somebody like that that's maybe underperforming where, where they are, change of scenery could benefit them yeah to kind of plug into a middle six type of role yeah 100 percent in agreement and, and and like i think it's 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 not the time to go out and acquire assets from other teams you know bruins have an incredible amount of flexibility this offseason mm-hmm. um in regards to cap space they can go balls to the wall on the free agent marketplace make a lot of interesting deals happen there you know, I hear a lot of people talking about, oh, what about Calgary? What about Lindholm? What about Hannafin? I love. I would love to have those two players. Me too, absolutely. But I'm not paying trade deadline prices on either of them. And hopefully Damn. both of them are still unrestricted free agents in the summer, and then we can talk to them then and get them in here without spending anything. I'm going to throw a name at you, and it was something that the Sportsnet panel was talking about a lot um, in regards to the Leafs game that I had on on ESPN Plus last night. Corey Perry has been given the thumbs up to sign with an NHL team. And, uh, you know, he never was outright suspended or banned or anything. It was a, you know, uh, breach of contract, according to the Chicago Blackhawks, which uh, are, are not really known for conducting themselves with any integrity. So I, I found that slightly <laughs> ironic. But, uh, yeah, Corey Perry was given the thumbs up by the commissioner to be able to go out there and sign. Do you think that that's somebody that the Bruins could entertain bringing into the bottom six? Do you think it's too much of a distraction with what's going on over there? And, you know, the previous kind of pie in the face, the franchise had with, with Mitchell Miller and, and everything like that. But would you welcome Corey Perry to the Boston Bruins? I, you know what? I think I would just simply because he's cheap. He'll be cheap. He's been, he's a seasoned veteran. He's been around. He's, Ben to cups. He's one cups. He kind of brings that veteran presence to the bottom six. And he probably could slide up if needed, you know, as a, in a fill in, you know, shift here, shift there with the top guys. It would be an interesting thing to see, to see happen. And again, fits the money. If the money fits, which it will, he's not going to cost anything. Um, we don't really know exactly. I mean, no, we still don't know what actually happened with him being terminated with. Yeah. Chicago. We don't know any of the actual details that behind that. There were rumors yeah. swir- swirling around, obviously at the time, which were all debunked. So funny rumors, though. <laughs> they were funny rumors. Um, oh no, they were gross and vile, disgusting rumors, <laughs> and wholly unprofessional. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think it's interesting. I think I think he could bring a, a wrinkle to the team that, that that they don't really have right now. And and you know, Brad Marchand when he's your your voice of snarl and, and grittiness and everything like that up front, you know, ever since, you know, what happened with number 17 and his departure, um, they're missing that degree of, you know, physical veteran leadership 
and and I think, you know, I think I think he could potentially bring that. Uh, on that topic, there, I want to I want to throw it to you one more time here. I'm curious, you know, with the ongoing legal situation for number 17, do you think if he's if it comes out that he was absolved of all responsibility and and everything's okay, do you see a situation where he could return to this team? I just don't see it working out in time, if that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, if he's absolved of everything, why wouldn't why wouldn't that be something that would be entertained? He's under contract. Yeah, it's not like they've voided the contract or anything. Um, right. He's just on a leave of absence from the team. So he's just away from the team while the whole process works out. Now, again, the legal process has to work itself out. You have to, you know, take all the facts into consideration with the legal process. And if everything comes out and it ends up being, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's absolved, acquitted, or just dropped. Yep. I think the team has to take a serious look and basically talk with 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 number 17 and be like what try to get his side of the story on it and then make a decision from that point yeah yeah so that's that's something else that you know we we obviously don't want to speculate or anything like that but uh you know it'll be interesting to see what happens with that situation just something to kind of keep in the back of your mind that you'll probably be hearing something about that in the next month or so Mm -hmm. um because i believe the court date was around this time so um it'll be interesting to see what happens with that individual uh, so, so on the nerdy thing that I hinted at earlier, our good friend, Tommy Bennett tweeted. So Thursday was star Wars night for a few teams. Toronto visited the Islanders and the Islanders basically pretended like John Tavares was the Sith Lord and they were the, uh, you know, the Jedi Knights and everything. Mm-hmm. So from, from a Bruins perspective, I'm going to add that wrinkle to this. What other scenario creates a star Wars like vibe? So for the Bruins, what player would be on the road and be the Sith villain for the Boston Bruins? Like on the Bruins themselves? Who would be public enemy number one against the Bruins? Against the Bruins. Ooh. It used to be. I mean, we're the good guys. We wouldn't be the Sith. Well, I'm just thinking if you were talking about another team's perspective as who would the Sith would be on the Bruins. Okay. Uh, Ooh, this is a tough one. It used to be. It used to be back in the day. It was. P.K. Subban, in my yes, opinion. Yes, P.K. Subban. Yes, that's who that's who comes to mind. Yep. I'm having trouble really thinking of somebody right now. I mean, it's not like anybody really is left here on like that kind of term, at yeah. least from my perspective. I'm, I, I'm, I'll I'm give struggling. you one. Go, you go. I'll give you one. Dougie Hamilton. He's my Sith Lord yeah. to me. The way that he burned bridges on the way out, forced his way out because the Boston Bruins didn't want to sign his brother. And that's, once again, that's me speculating based on what I had heard. Yeah. That's the reason why he wanted to leave. And, uh, you know, he was the heir apparent to Chara. He was playing next to Big Z. He broke into the league with the Boston Bruins. He was supposed to be the future of this blue line. And he's had a heck of a career so far. But because he didn't get what he wanted, he threw a little tantrum and he ran away. And he's there's a reason why he's been on like five teams. So uh, whenever I see Dougie Hamilton on the ice in Boston, I boo the shit out of the kid. I really don't like him. And he's uh he's he's the weird like uh, uh museum going uh Sith Lord that uh that that would get that rise out of me. Maybe maybe a maybe a Tyler Sagan. I know he was traded out of here. Mm-hmm. You know he didn't want it, but you heard everything that was going on behind the scenes, the rumors and stuff involving other players. Yeah, you know you heard all that. Maybe him, but I, he doesn't. I don't know if it raises. No, I mean, to he's that always level. like really cordial, man. Like he he would for seasons and seasons and seasons after the trade. 
you know, they would ask him like in a player's bowl, who's the greatest goalie in the league? He'd be like, Tuka Rask, bar none. Greatest goalie I've ever played. All right, I, I rescind what I said. I rescind what I said. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't I don't see Sagan. I, I could see, you know, like I said, Dougie Hamilton because of the way he went out. Um, I could see Phil Kessel for the longest time because of the he way was, he went yeah. out. Uh, I booed the shit out of Phil Kessel every time he touched yeah. the puck. Um, those are the two that kind of come to mind. Um, PK Subban was 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 a big one. Oh yeah, he was oh. a big one. He was, but he out. loved it. He loved oh, yeah. that. You know, oh, he's yeah. still in ESPN broadcast, and he's like, oh, you know, those fans in Boston, I hate them. They're all dumb and da 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 da. And 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 he knows it. He just he just likes poking the bear a little bit. I'd, I'd embrace that role too. Like Charo oh, always yeah. used to get booed. You know, Charo was the guy with Boston up in Montreal that would always get booed. So like I'd embrace that if it was, if, yeah. if, if I was getting booed like that. I mean, Brad goes through it in basically oh, yeah. every rink. And yeah. He loves it too. So that's, that's where um, I was going with the beginning there. <laughs> yeah. All right. So there, there's our, our listener submission questions. So we appreciate, uh, appreciate it you guys. Yeah. Really appreciate you guys throwing those at us. Um, but we're at we're uh, out of content here, and we've got a Bruins game to watch in about an hour and, and seventeen minutes for a matinee. So let's go. Uh, thanks again for tuning in to episode twenty four of the Two Pad Stack Podcast. We uh, value your listenership immensely, and uh, hopefully, we can continue to bring you some fun Bruins and, and other uh, content to your ears. And uh, we'll see you see you next week. See you next week. Peace. Later.